1: It's Friday. They can't take that away from us, right? We got it. We made it. We achieved it. It's ours. I hereby claim Friday for all of us. We've got the dish coming up in our 6 o'clock hour. We'll be talking restaurants. Can't wait for that. We've got some dad jokes coming. You may need them. When we get through all this, you may need some dad jokes. and We'll provide some, and you'll provide some. And you can join the show anytime at 210-599-5555. Let me read you a couple of things here. This is from the New York Post. A jaw-dropping 3.8 million people have entered the United States through its borders since President Biden took office in 2021. 3.8 million people have entered over the border, half of whom slipped into the country illegally and were never caught. Over the last three years, 2,346,000 people have been granted notices to appear, meaning they've been let in provisionally, but you gotta turn yourself in, you gotta show up for your hearing, and um, that hearing could be months or even years from now. Uh, Those numbers reflect people we may never see at a hearing. They may never turn themselves in. Then there is, according to this article, Um, an estimated, uh, more than an estimated one and a half million so-called gotaways. People who are estimated to have gotten into the country without being detected or caught. They don't have a court date. They're not on a list. This is just a rough estimate. So far this year, the Border Patrol estimates about 600,000 gotaways. And then this is an article from Todd Benzman, who we just had on the show, uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Um, he writes, illegal immigrants aren't just overwhelming the border. President Biden is flying them secretly to airports around the country. More than 200,000 people uh, have landed over the past year, according to our data at the Center for Immigration Studies, obtained through the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, DHS cajoles tens of thousands of intending illegal border crossers per year to instead go on the CBP-1 smartphone app, make an appointment with U.S. officials at land ports. After they make an appointment, DHS invites these inadmissible aliens to walk over to the American side of the land port, where U.S. customs officials parole them in, allowing them to travel to the city of their choice in the nation's interior. So they are taking commercial flights and they are going where they feel like going or wanna go. They are flying into the interior of the country, sight unseen and in numbers publicly unknown, writes Benzman. Now we've talked about the cost of illegal immigration. We've talked about what it literally costs but also what it does to people, the the non-dollar costs, right, to to safety and to the infrastructure and and what have you. Have you ever, ever wondered about the other side of it? Like I find myself wondering, because look, I, I as I've said, I, I think this is a, a a manufactured crisis. This is a crisis of choice. Okay, so we we're not we're not overwhelmed. It's not that we can't have border uh, enforcement. It's that that. The current administration has decided not to do it. Okay. But have you ever wondered about the money that's being made? And we talked a little bit about this with Colony Ridge. The um, there's a story about how the city of Chicago has just done a thirty million dollar contract uh, to build uh, these winterized tent cities or clusters for their illegal immigrants. Let me play you a little of this. This is a uh, NBC5 in Chicago news report about it. Take a listen to this. Cut number one. Nine city leaders are expressing shock after an NBC5 Investigates report we aired yesterday. We are waiting for records that show where the millions being spent on migrants is going.
2: Some records we did receive show employees working at migrant shelters have made more than $135 an hour. NBC5 investigates Bennett Haberly is here more with what you've discovered, Bennett.
3: Yeah, Kate and Alex, imagine making almost $200 an hour. These invoices show it has happened at the privately run shelters housing migrants. Today, I talked to aldermen who say they've been asking for receipts as well and had no idea of the figures until our report last night. These invoices obtained by NBC5 Investigates show employees of a private company, Favorite Staffing, which run the city's migrant shelters, have made at least $135 an hour, in some cases more. In one invoice, a facility manager made $14,000 in a week in December. Another invoice shows a nurse earned more than $20,000 in one week.
4: Those figures do account for overtime. To see invoices like that are disgusting. They're outrageous, and they should be caused for an, investi- an immediate investigation. Do you
3: have an accounting for all the dollars are going?
4: Uh, no, we haven't been. And I think that's uh, the big concern that came up today was that we're willing to accept federal dollars. We're willing to give dollars to these issues, but we need to see where every penny is spent.
1: This is also um, this is a big time moneymaker. There are, and you know that the dollars being spent, and the dollars being earned, and the contracts being let, and and you know you know this is all going to people that are politically connected in these blue cities. So there is while they're com- while they're crying and complaining about how we're overwhelmed, and you had the mayor of New York City and the governor of New York, please don't come anymore. We're at we're at capacity. They are lining the pockets of their supporters. They are doling out fat cat contracts. And now, let's not just limit this to illegal immigrants. Let's talk about homelessness. All the talk about the homelessness explosion in places like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, they are spending millions and millions of dollars on this issue, but that means someone is making millions and millions of dollars. I think at some point, if people who are struggling to pay their bills, if people who are struggling to get through the month on what they make, because of inflation, and they're, they're hearing the president on television telling them everything's fine, and they're hearing the commentators say they shouldn't be complaining, they should be grateful because he built back better, and you're not experiencing that. You have no idea what these people are talking about because as far as you can tell, you're out of money every month before you're out of month. If people ever connect what they're going through with the realization that the politicians are taking all this money and they are um, giving it to their supporters and making instant millionaires out of people over issues like illegal immigration and homelessness, I think we're gonna have a revolution in this country. I mean, this is the stuff that leads to a revolution. I'm not talking about, oh, there'll be a landslide election. I mean, this is the stuff where people get so mad, they wanna burn the whole thing down. And, and I've felt this way for a long time, and I've said this before. If one of the two political parties does not demonstrate some sanity, we are going to veer away from both of them. And people are going to give up on things that right now we take for granted, like there'll be an election for president every four years, and there'll be an election for Congress every two years, and the rules of the road. People will give up on that. Someone will come along, and the word we use is demagogue, but that won't be the word when the time comes. The, the word when the time comes will be hero. Okay, someone will come along and say, the Republicans don't have the answer, the Democrats don't have the answer, you know they're both the same party, you know they're in bed together. I can help. I can fix this. I know what to do about this. all this corruption. I know what to do about the fact that you can't pay your bills and put food on the table for your kids, but somebody's making millions Supposedly fixing homelessness or illegal immigration. I know how to fix this, but, but I can't do it in the, in the confines of the current system. So you'll have to give me emergency powers and extraordinary powers. And if you'll do that and if you'll trust me, I can make the streets safe. I can make it so that you can afford your groceries. I can make it so that your kids are not taught perverse things in school. I can make it so that Um, this, this uniparty corruption is, is, you know, once and for all, uh, eliminated. I'll slay the dragons of the, of the dark money and the Democrats and the Republicans. And, but I'm going to need, you're going to have to, you're going to have to trust me. I'm going to need all the power and, you know, I can't do it in two years or four years. So we're going to need to suspend the rules for a while. But, but history tells us when people get frustrated, They don't fall into dictatorship, they embrace it. They beg for it. That's how Hitler came to power. I know that's an overused analogy, but the German people had a democracy after World War I. And they got so frustrated and hopeless that when someone came along, somebody very unlikely, Somebody that you look back and you go, how could they have? Uh, yelling and screaming, how could they have fallen for this guy? When you look, when you look back, and it doesn't make any sense. This is how it made sense. People got so frustrated, so furious, that they said, "The hell with the whole thing." I'm not going to pick between parties that are all the same. I'm not going to pick between candidates that are virtually indistinguishable. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take. Uh, the promises uh, that I've heard and that have been broken. I'm not going to believe in a system that doesn't work for me and my family. I'm not going to put my kids in a school that undermines everything I'm trying to teach them and raise them. That's the danger here. We're getting closer and closer to that moment that history says eventually comes if there's too much corruption, too much disillusionment. I read today that the Pentagon announced, and they're proud of this, that if the government shuts down, the Ukraine aid will not be affected. They wanted it to be known that the Ukraine aid, which the president just appointed, or I'm sorry, approved 300, I think it's 324 million or something, that will not um, be touched in the event that there is a government shutdown. The Pentagon said we can keep that funding going from existing monies. Now, whatever you think of aiding Ukraine, it doesn't matter whether you're for it or against it, imagine the tone deafness of telling people out of one corner of your mouth, hey, the government might shut down, and then out of the other corner of your mouth telling people, well, if it does, we will continue to serve the people of Ukraine. Not you, the people of Ukraine. I mean, they can't make this more obvious. 210 um, 599 There was a guy on CNN. They were doing a conversation about uh, early voting, sta- you know, early primary states like New Hampshire and South Carolina. Anyway, they were talking about the voters and they were profiling what voters are saying about the different candidates. And this guy on CNN was saying, like it was a revelation, like like he had just realized it, and I guess if he's on CNN, maybe he has just realized it. He says um, Donald Trump is different because he's talking about issues that actually matter to voters. He's talking about things that people are already talking about. He cares about things that people already care about. He said, Trump is talking about things like if you ask voters, they care about their families. They care about the economy. They care about the future. They don't care about whether you're going to sue Disney or push out some tenured professors from the state university because they're teaching the wrong thing. It's just not what is connecting with people. And the inability to course correct, to sort of size up the situation and say, hey, I've lost half my support in the last six months. That's a reference to DeSantis. Maybe we should try something else. So, yes, Trump, who they're very afraid of, right, who they think is the demagogue I just described, who they think is the future dictator of America, is talking about or indicating he's interested in the stuff that actually matters to people. So there's the stuff the political classes tell you is important, and then there's the stuff that you know is important, that you have to deal with. I mean, your bills are your bills. It's not a think tank kind of thing, right? And all I'm saying is, we may have there may be an answer. There may be a a, a swing election, a wave election. Maybe so. I, I hope so. But when you read history, there is a point where a people, even a very cosmopolitan, highly educated people, the Germans were the the most, you know, urbane, cosmopolitan people in all of Europe. You know, there's a reason there were a lot of Jews in Germany for Hitler to prey on, because the Jews, who've always been a nomadic people, figured out that the Germans were the most enlightened people in Europe. They felt safe there. So here's a here's a country that you wouldn't expect would fall into the clutches of a demagogue, but they got so frustrated, inflation got so bad, they're Professional politicians had no answers. They watched a proud, you know, sort of culture collapsing and decaying. They were watching perversity. They felt undermined by their own government. And somebody said, I can fix it, but you're going to have to trust me. And i got to go outside the lines, and I've got to do this in a non Traditional way, and we're we're not going to have elections, and we're not going to have. But you're just you you watch. We'll make it better. We can be great again. That's the moment we're approaching here. Let me be clear. I'm not I'm not saying any of this with any enthusiasm, and I I don't want what I'm describing to happen. Okay, just so you're clear, so this doesn't get misunderstood and spun into some kind of a uh, Jack wants a dictatorship for America. No, no, Jack doesn't want one. Jack's saying, we're going to get one if we don't um, get some candor and some bravery from one of the two political parties or someone in them. Because what happens eventually in a system like ours, the people, okay, you and me, we're only in the system voluntarily. Right? I mean, think about it. You, you weren't sworn in as a voter. You didn't take an oath. I mean, people in our military take them. People who hold political office take them, judges. and But, I mean, you're, you're just participating in this voluntarily. You learned about it in school. They told you you should vote. You do. You try to stay abreast of the issues and who's who. But at some point in a democracy, people can say, this just does not work. I don't know who these leaders are, but they're crazy, or they're corrupt. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the news today about Menendez. This guy's been corrupt longer than some of you have been alive. And they're just getting to him now, and they haven't even really gotten to him yet. He's a senator from New Jersey. You can Google it. He's just, he's in up to his earlobes. The fat, corrupt slob who's been at the trough for too long. We've got a lot of them. We got them in both parties. In fact, I feel like they throw us one every once in a while just so we'll think that, hey, you can't get away with it. Look, this guy got caught. He was taking bribes. They got him on video. But but what if that's because the other 99 of them are doing it and, and getting away with it, and they just throw one to us to keep, <laughs> just to keep us, like, you know, at bay? I don't know. I mean, I'm just wondering, right? Uh, anyway, I don't want a dictatorship but if we don't get some answers people will give up on the system that's what i'm saying and i if i'm here and i'm doing this thing i'll be raising my voice against it and i'll be trying to wa- I, I don't want it because what i know from reading history is we won't get we won't get america back okay we won't get it back so i don't want it to happen and I'm hoping it doesn't, and it doesn't have to, but we are getting closer and closer to that moment. President uh, Trump was on the campaign trail and gave uh, a speech where he was talking about Dwight Eisenhower. This is in Iowa. He was talking about Dwight Eisenhower. Um, but specifically, he was referencing the fact that uh, Eisenhower had a uh, program. Now picture, picture this. Imagine using this term today. They had a program in the Eisenhower administration called Operation Wetback. And um, part of the program was a massive deportation of illegal immigrants. Uh, Don't get mad at me. I'm telling you that's what they called it, okay? And they called it that for the obvious reason that these were um, illegal immigrants that had crossed the river and were working in the farms and working... So anyway, so Trump's talking about this on the campaign trail. And he says, "Um, I really like this idea and this program, and we can do it because we've done it before, and people liked Ike when he did it, and I like Ike was a slogan. He's talking about all this. And I'm thinking to myself, does he not know that Ike... Dwight Eisenhower, who was president in the 1950s, who was one of our greatest wartime generals in World War II, did this with the total buy-in and loyalty of and service of the federal government. Dwight Eisenhower didn't have a Christopher Ray or a Jim Comey or a You know, he he didn't have a a bureaucracy that was having secret meetings and undermining him and working against him. He was a national hero. He didn't have a federal bureaucracy that was 95% democratic. He didn't have a federal bureaucracy where the president has virtually no control over anybody at any appointed level. Does Trump realize that there's... Let's say, I don't know, I'm going to pick a number. I'm going to make up a number because I don't know the exact number. Let's say there's 4 million federal workers. or We'll say 3 million. Let's say there's 3 million federal workers. I don't know what there are. Let's say there's 3 million people in the federal government. I'm not talking about the military. Does Trump realize that he only appoints a few thousand of them? And the rest of them are there pretty much permanently? Does he realize that 95% of them contribute to and vote for Democrats? So when he says, I'm going to do this, and you believe him because he's, he's kept his promises to you on other things, and you believe that he believes, and you believe that he means it, and I get that, but you do realize, right, that Ike could give an order, and like a good general, that order was, yes, sir. And if Trump gives this order, he's not Ike. And this is not the 1950s. And that's what I'm talking about. So, when he talks this way, I want to believe that he knows the difference, the the reality of it. But then I wonder, because if he does know, why isn't he saying that? Right? And so... Yes, like what would you do about those illegal immigration numbers that I read at the start of the show? Millions and millions of people have come into the country under Biden. And some of them, we we know they're here, but they're not going to come to their hearing. And some of them, we don't know where they are. We don't even know uh, where they went once they crossed the line. They're the getaways. What do you do about it? Well, they should be sent back, people say. Callers say it to the show all the time. They should be sent back. Okay, how will you do that? Well, the president can give that order. Okay, but when the president gives that order, who carries out that order? And see, this was the problem when Trump was president last time. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a very small cadre of people around him. You know, you had Bannon and Ivanka and Jared and... Peter Navarro, and a few others. And then you had these people he had brought in as, like, the second team. And some of them didn't turn out to be too loyal. And he really admired the generals, and eventually they didn't like him, and they didn't work with him anymore, McMaster and Kelly and Mattis. And by the end of his administration, he had a bunch of, you know, Third, fourth string guys, the deputy acting secretary of this, and the acting attorney general, and he had like more attorney generals in four years than than uh, FDR had in twelve years. I mean, this is the this is the real this is where the rubber meets the road. Who's the government? Not who's the president. Who's the government? You know, I uh, I don't know about you, but I I, tr- I try to be polite. I try to be a- accommodating and and kind to people. Um, and uh, I, I don't look for conflict. This whole business about say my pronouns and you've got to say my pronouns is always kind of is always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I don't I don't put that in the same category as you know live and let live or just try to be nice to people because the whole pronoun thing to me, um, it, you're not coming at me from a position of hey let's live together and let's live and let live, you're coming at me with a demand. And the demand is that I deny what I know is true, and the demand is not that I let you be what you want to be or feel you are, but that I must participate in that. And it's kind of crazy if you think about it, because we don't really need to say another person's pronouns. And when we're using pronouns, the person is not there. That's the whole point of pronouns. But anyway, um, you have this sort of ongoing demand culture. And trans uh, people, were told, have always known that they were assigned the wrong sex at birth. So I want to play this for you. This is a Dr. Diane Aaronsoft. And she's not just some random kooky person that I picked out to amuse you. She is, in fact, the person who wrote for the American Psychological Association what they call the gender affirmative model. So she's basically the one that wrote the standards on how the medical community is supposed to treat the trans issue in children. And she's at this conference, and uh, a guy asks her a question about uh, really young children but who are not yet verbal. So I want you to hear his question, and I want you to hear Dr. Aaron Soft's answer, cut number two.
5: Very strong message that you've been, that people have been talking about this morning is listening to the child, and letting them tell us. So I'm just wondering if there are recommendations for pre-verbal children. So between the ages of one and two, suggestions of how to approach the the topics that we're talking about today.
6: Okay, so the question is, what about the kids between one and two who are just developing language or may not even have it yet? Um, they're very action-oriented. So um, in an in that at that time, this is where mirroring is really important and listening to actions. So let me give you an example. I have a colleague who's transgender, and there is a video of him as a toddler. So he uh, was assigned female at birth. There's a video of him as a toddler tearing barrettes out of then her hair and throwing them on the ground and sobbing. That's a gender message. And when it happens, not just once or twice or three times, that's a gender message. Sometimes kids between the age of one and two with beginning language will say, I boy, when you say girl. Those two words, I boy. That's not a pre-verbal, but an early verbal message. It's, and sometimes there is a tendency to say, well, honey... No, you're a girl because little girls have vaginas and you have a vagina, so you're a girl. And then when they get a little older, you hear them say, did you not listen to me? I said, I am a boy with a vagina. Okay, but they can't say that between one and two. But they can show you about what they want to play with. And if they feel uncomfortable about how you are responding to them and their gender if you're misgendering them. So you look for those kinds of actions, like tearing a skirt off. There was one, I think this was in the Barbara Walters special, where this child wore the um, little onesies with snap-ups in between the legs, and at age one would unsnap them to make a dress and have the dress flow. This was a child who was assigned male. That's a, that's a communication, a pre-verbal communication mm. about gender. And the message back, should not be to negate any of those expressions, Mm. but to go with them.
1: Mm. Okay, what do you think? She's not just anybody, she's the person in authority, she's the person that the other medical professionals, they're scribbling notes, they're taking this all down, this is how to do it, she's the authority. I don't even know where to begin. 210-599-5555 210-599-5555 if you want to talk about this, if you can talk about this. A toddler who doesn't like to have barrettes in her hair knows that she's a boy. Not maybe just wants her hair to flop around. No, no. That's a, that's a gender message, says Dr. Aaron Soft. I have a niece who is constantly taking off clothes. Maybe her parents should finally recognize that she wants to be a stripper. The thing about unsnapping the onesie, I don't know a kid, I don't know a baby that doesn't do that. Were they all assigned the wrong gender? These people are like a cult. I mean, really, really? So, when a child, a toddler, a nonverbal, preverbal toddler, is just playing, is just pulling an article of clothing off or a barrette out of their hair, maybe because it's uncomfortable or it's pinchy, holy bleeping bleep. Um, What if your kid takes their shoes off? I know kids that don't like to wear their shoes. Any and every chance they get, Even in the car even, they got their shoes off. Does that mean they want to return to the wild? Is that what that means? 210-599-5555. You know what it feels like to me? It feels like you've got some adults that want this thing in their life, and they are begging for a sign or permission to go with it. And Dr. Aaron Soft is there for them. She's given them the thumbs up. She's given them the green light. I just, I'm sorry, but sometimes kids just pull their clothes off or their hair clips out or they throw a tantrum or they want to get comfortable. And that's, that's all it is. I, and I'm not an expert. I just, I, I, I raised a kid, I, I've been around kids, that's uh, that's that's what common sense tells me. It's what it always told us before. Um, the doctor who writes the APA's guidelines for gender affirmation, Dr. Diane Aronsoft, says um, your kid is sending you gender messages with hair clips and the snaps on their onesies and I don't know. I mean, when your kids are toddlers, they're learning, like, the difference between the letter A and the letter B or the difference between a an ant and a bear. Um, but somehow they are the ones we should listen to and take direction from on gender. Kelly is on the Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Kelly, good afternoon.
7: Hi, good afternoon, Jack. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
7: I'm fine, thank you.
1: So what do you think of this, Kelly?
7: I really think that ugh, this has gone too far. I mean, we're putting all of these thoughts and ideas upon our children that they just do not have the capability at a younger age or even at a teenage age to deal with. And, you know, as a young child, I didn't know well, I was telling um, someone, I didn't like the, the feet in pajamas. So my parents would cut them out. And it wasn't because I wanted to wear pants. It wasn't because I thought really anything into it as a child. It's just that the bottoms of the feet in the onesie pajamas hurt my mm-hmm. toes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think you can misconstrue anything, like you said, you, you know, that you want to. Um, but we're really taking it too far because we're looking to make either someone inclusive or make a point or make you know maybe diane is looking for some notoriety i don't know i just think that it's it's gone a little too far in this country with regards to these these things and we're not doing our children any favors and we're really creating a lot of mental illness children do um mimic and absorb things like a little sponge so we should also be careful about something as maybe easy as saying oh well i thought that she was going to be a boy but turns out she was a girl We put a Mm -hmm. lot of our own ideas on our children, Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. really need to stop doing that as as adults. We should know better.
1: I think you just put your finger on it. I I really do think a lot of this is the the, the, um, uh, genesis of this is in the adult. I see parents that I think want this in their life, and they are looking for uh, and seizing on what they think are the signs of it. Because then, I've, I don't know if you've noticed, but people that are really into this, they constantly post about it and talk about it. It's very self-referencing. Um, and so, yeah, this doctor is basically uh, giving them all these little things to, to scrutinize their kids for. first time a barrette comes out, oh, sure she's really a boy. Uh, Kelly, thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Vivian is on the radio. Hi, Vivian.
8: Yes, sir. I just got
7: so irate. I think these people are so stupid stupid thinking that they're so smart because they got the label as a doctor but um, a child is going to be a child they're going to they don't know at one or two years old what they what they are they're just innocent children and to put labels and to think all these signs yeah. that this is who they're going to be is stupidity yeah. I'm so sorry
8: yeah,
1: yeah. So, no, I agree Vivian thank stupidity. you appreciate having you uh Dean is on the Jack Riccardi show on KTSA hi Dean Okay. Do we have Dean?
9: I tell you, I just I'm still there.
1: Yes, Dean. I can hear you now. Yes.
9: I just shook my head. Uh, I listened to it, I said, shook my head, and then I got to thinking. You now, this is this is a it's somewhat coincidental uh, or ironic that these new assessments in early childhood behavior all of a sudden come to light within the last year or two uh and it's it's almost as indicated earlier you indicated earlier it's it's a movement part of the movement to try and uh solidify their presence in society as as creating this as another factor in a young child but they go to the point the analogy I use they go to the point if i had a if I have a child that say stuck pins and a doll, am I going to immediately assess that that child is showing signs of violent behavior as an yeah, adult. Right. Right. That right. That, is, that is the analogy I use. It's just right. it, it it's they're trying to solidify their place not the transgenders but people who support that movement. It's
1: I think it also it, it also I think if you can shake people's confidence in intuitive parenting then you strengthen the position of the expert class and the government, like, hey, I really can't, I don't I don't have any business raising kids, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know anything about children, but the government does. So whatever the schools are teaching them is fine, and whatever the government says to do is fine. I, I, I think a lot of this is designed to, to instruct all of us that we really have no idea, and no business, raising kids by our own lights and intuitions, which is, of course, how we've always done it. Uh, we were talking about the this uh, Dr. Aaron Soft. Maybe we should play a little of that again, Don. Um, she's the author of the American Psychological Association's Gender Affirmative Model. So this is how they instruct people in pediatric medicine to um, deal with... And respond to the earliest indicators in babies and toddlers that they 're trans that they 've been assigned the wrong gender, and this is what she was saying she's get, she gets she gets she 's at a seminar or something she gets a question she gives the answer take a listen to this
5: a very strong message that you've been that people have been talking about this morning is listening to the child and letting them tell us. So I'm just wondering if there are recommendations for pre-verbal children. So between the ages of one and two, suggestions of how to approach the, the topics that we're talking about today.
6: Okay, so the question is, what about the kids between one and two who are just developing language or may not even have it yet? Um, they're very action-oriented. So um, in an... In that at that time, this is where mirroring is really important and listening to actions. So let me give you an example. I have a colleague who's transgender, and there is a video of him as a toddler. So he uh, was assigned female at birth. There is a video of him as a toddler tearing barrettes out of then her hair and throwing them on the ground
1: mm.
6: and sobbing. That's a gender message. And that's a happens, gender I'm message.
1: That's not, that's not a kid that doesn't uh, want hair clips. That's not a kid that's uncomfortable. That's the big tell. You know, when I was a kid, um, there's no video, but uh, my parents talk about how I would sit there at the dinner table and refuse to drink my milk. I didn't like it. It was a big glass. It was a tall glass. It probably wasn't. It It looked like a vat of milk to me. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that big. Should they have concluded that I was lactose intolerant? Or should they have concluded that you're going to sit there until you finish it? Because it's good for you and you need it. And it's going to make you big and strong. I I mean, you, you can go with what your heart and soul and instincts and mores and the fact that you love that child more than you've ever loved anything in your life, you never knew you were capable of the love you have for your child. You, you can't even believe it. As many times as you've heard people describe it and you're hearing me describe it right now, when you finally have one, it, it is mind-blowing. You could trust all that. Or Dr. Diane Aronsoff, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. But I think there are people that want to trust her. I mean I think there are people that that kind of uh this is the cool thing right now. This is this is the thing uh you can you can tell all your friends about yeah we're going through something right now with my daughter. Yes. She's questioning her gender. People there are there are people that kind of crave that, you know, kind of they're they're looking for that. And um I don't know uh, I it, it, it just <laughs> I think when kids don't want to wear their shoes or their hair clips or they don't they unsnap their onesie or whatever, uh, sometimes the cigar is just a cigar. Jeff is on KTSA. Jeff, good afternoon.
5: Hey, good Friday, Jack. Good topic. Um so my my reaction the first time he played it. Was my jaw dropped? He just played it the second time, so I'm still trying to get my jaw back in place. But my other response is, I guess, on the compassionate side, and I'm. It actually, I'm saddened uh, in this in the in the doctor's, I guess, opinion or their information, and what I think is with any kind of. Um, I guess movement or, or line of thought. It, it's very important that that gets affirmed. So we actually, as a culture, we affirm it. it, it we've gone past the point where, would you please consider these ideas or this information,
10: or right, this data,
5: right, and right, let right. you know let's discuss this. And yeah. but no, it's it's this particular movement. I think is intent upon you affirm it. Uh, there is no question, and that, let's just say, for instance, the information is incorrect. Let's just say, for instance, for conversation, this is not true. Well, I'm sorry, but you need to affirm this. And I think Mm -hmm. in looking holistically, it's more like um, it's kind of the nature of kind of our progression. Let's just take the 60s and beyond. We're at a post, let's just say Christian culture now um it, it's all about me uh and i and i was going to point out
4: did did you
5: get that her uh comments are based on gender assignment so she's mm-hmm. in the clinical world but <laughs> yep. it's like well yep. hey jeff you know you're a, you're a boy today but mm. on saturday you're going to be a girl yep. so yep. i I, I think we what we've taken away is, and I'll do, leave you with this, the Bible says that God created us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, and I think we've just gone off the rails.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, look, thank you, Jeff. Very thoughtful. A lot of great comments. There's a lot there. Um, I, I believe most parents love their kids and, and do right by their kids, and, and I, I'm only sorry that when someone has a lantern and the ability to, to illuminate and help, I think instead you're sowing confusion and, and disruption. And the nicest thing I can say about that is that um, you're doing a disservice. Uh, if I really let my mind wander, I wonder sometimes, again, if the whole point of all of this isn't to shake our confidence in the in the family unit itself. Like everything right now just happens to be destructive of, inimical of, the family unit. Everything is interposing between children and and their parents, everything. We have all of a sudden decided that the least qualified, least trustworthy people in a child's life are his parents or her parents. That's weird to me. I look at qui bono, like, who benefits from that? And then you start to see, gee, you know, uh, weaker families, stronger authoritarians. Strong families, humbler government, right? Government that has to mind its P's and Q's. If families are strong, people are harder to boss around. If families are strong, uh, kids are harder to, to brainwash or indoctrinate. If families are strong... If families are strong then the central organizing unit of our society is the family. If families are weak and confused and we're not really sure and the teacher seems to know our kid better than we do, then the government, then the, the bureaucrat is stronger. That's all. Sounds a little tinfoil hattish, I admit. But that's kind of where my head goes when I hear this stuff. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. John is on the radio. John, good afternoon.
3: Hey, good afternoon. I was listening to what you were saying, and your your spot on points on what you just commented. And uh, of course, the last caller, I understand exactly what he's saying. The reason I called is because we're adopting a child who uh, <clears throat> who just recently had a heart transplant, and since CPS is involved. And we have a a fostering company involved as well. We have to take ninety hours or nine three months full of classes and get. We're we're already grandparents. We've already raised our children, and that subject is coming up in the classes. And mm-hmm. that we're not able to tell them, no, no, you're you're a boy, or no, no, you're a girl, and uh, it's just. It's sad because this is not how it was when we were, when mm-hmm. we were growing up. I mean, the the priorities were roof over your head, clothes on their bodies, meal mm-hmm. on the table. But mm-hmm. now they're so focused on, you know, who's going to get sued. And this child had his heart, uh, a heart transplant when he was two, and he's been in foster care, couldn't leave the area of Houston. Uh, for two years, so now he's four. He's a toddler. So mm-hmm. we felt really bad, and they made us feel bad because we lost those formative years of you know when they're they're young. And you know, thank God that the surgery's well, and we're finally going to be receiving him mm-hmm. in our home Monday. And wow. so we're super excited, but it's just it's sad the way the world is just focused on on the wrong things. It's just like the it's. Totally is on the wrong thing. And one final comment. Where's the research that this doctor did? I mean, even when they give a pill, they, they test the pill against the placebo. She factoring all this on just this one incident? Mm-hmm. You see where I'm getting at?
1: Yeah, she can watch a video. And know what's going on. That's, that's incredible. That's not even, that's not even medicine. That's not like supernatural. Like she has supernatural powers. Uh, it's a great point. John, I want to say this. I love what you're doing and this adoption. And I'm going to pray for you and, and your family and this child and focus on that. I mean, yeah, there's a lot wrong with the world, but there's a lot right with the world when somebody is doing what you, what you all are doing. And, and I hope it works out. I hope, hope, it, hope it's a long, happy life.
3: Thank you so much. The thing is, that's why it's harder for other people to pick up on fostering and adoption because mm-hmm. they make it so difficult for yeah, people to yeah. do this and overcome this. And it's yeah, that's a great like point. people just give up. So, right,
1: or, they- or, or, or or afraid to even get near it in the first place, knowing what they'll, what they'll be Absolutely. expected to. Yeah, no, that's a great. John, God bless you. Good luck with it. Really hope it works out. Monday is the day. That's exciting. It's incredible, right? You thought you were busy next week. Wow uh this uh dr diane aronsoft who is a very 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 big name in child psychology and um is looked up to in her uh discipline uh she's based at UC, ucsf she's out of oakland she's 76 years old she's written the guidelines that the apa uh, encourages pediatricians and healthcare workers to um use and educate themselves on kids and um sexuality. I, I you know, I um somewhere out there there really are kids. There really is a kid that's confused. I'm not saying that never happens. Uh, but instead of a compassionate response to the actual confusion, to me, the way I look at it, This is creating confusion. This is exploiting and creating uh, the, the worries, the anxieties that parents have. And it's a vicious cycle, right? Because the more people hear about this and the more it's in the news, the more apt they are to think that, oh, I've got it in my house. Mike is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Mike, good afternoon.
4: Hi, sir. You know, I haven't talked to you in probably a couple years. I've been listening to you since I was getting my doctorate within the medical field. I'm actually a medical practice myself, and this is a hundred percent about the children. But sir, what I also think about is how this changes the public's view of medicine. So it's just like COVID and it's just like vaccines, right? Now, as a medical provider, I'm pro-vaccine, but whenever our um, upper-level medical colleagues were saying things that didn't add up, were saying things that didn't make sense, and then they expected the American people to follow, um, you know, their their suggestions and the American people didn't, can you really be surprised? And so mm-hmm. my big thing in all this too, sir, is, you know, this particular individual paints all of medical practice in, in a certain light and that in itself diminishes how the American people will view medical professionals like myself.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Boy, it's really interesting you say this because I just had this conversation this afternoon with a good friend of mine who's a nurse. We were talking about this very thing that the the COVID vaccine deal with the mandates and the, uh, the intimidation and you'll lose your job and all that they've wrecked they've wrecked the vaccination um model in this country the, the, we we used to have as you know uh a small number of people who were skeptical of or opposed to vaccines and they had their own reason and they had the right to be that way and you could agree with them or disagree with them or ignore them or whatever don't you think they've manufactured exponentially more skepticism to and resistance uh, to uh, vaccines. I was, I was at the, the pharmacy to get my flu shot yesterday, just the regular flu, seasonal flu, and the pharmacist asked me, do you, do you want the COVID booster? And I said, no thanks, I just, just want the flu shot. And he kind of chuckled and I said, what, what, what is it? He goes, nobody wants this booster. We have to ask. We're supposed to ask. If you aren't signed up for it, we're supposed to offer it to you because nobody wants it. I don't want it. Nobody I work with wants it. We're all hoping they don't make us get it. They've they've done that in 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 your lifetime and mine, Mike. I mean, it's an incredible thing.
4: You know, you're you're exactly right, sir. And you know, you have again, you have you've, you have this particular individual that is a pediatrician that's saying these things. What does this do to the parents' view of not only medicine, but particularly pediatric medicine? Mm -hmm. If this particular physician is saying these things and the, the public starts to lose trust in our pediatric folks, can we really be surprised, sir? I would say no. Wouldn't wouldn't this be a good, wouldn't
1: this be a good moment though for people like you? I don't just mean you personally, but like I know a lot of good people who are everything from pediatricians to licensed therapists to all kinds of, I mean, they're good people. They're good at what they do. They, they, they're committed to their patients. You gotta raise your voice. You gotta, you gotta speak out against and drown out these, these uh, you know, pretenders and these these uh, demagogues because you're right. In time, people that need to listen to someone like you won't think they should.
4: Right. You know, sir, um, one thing I can say is um, I'm all about patient relationship. And so, you know, when my patients come to me, uh, whenever I'm at work, whenever I'm in clinical practice or, Um, we have a relationship that lets them know that I'm doing Mm -hmm. what's in their best interest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I, I think, sir, that that is the um, solution to all this is, Mm. you know, make sure that you have a relationship with your pediatrician, make sure that there's some trust there, make sure that there's some history there because if you have those things, sir, um, you know that your medical practitioner is taking care of you. This individual that's making all of these claims about, um, you know, uh, kids not knowing their gender and all this type of stuff. This is an individual that has never ever treated your child in particular. Mm-hmm. this This person has no clue who mm-hmm. your child is. This person has no clue what your child is about. All this person sees you as is what, sir? I don't want to say just a number, but honestly, just a t- just a statistic, just a data data figure, right? And so yeah. my big thing is, 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 is personal relationship with patients. Go to a pediatrician that you know has your best interest in mind, yeah. and this particular person does not have your best interest in mind. And we as also, parents all know it, right, sir?
1: Well said, well said. It's good to hear from you, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for being on our show today, and good luck with your practice. Uh, funny thing is happening with the Senate dress code. Senator Joe Manchin, West Virginia Democrat, Filing a bipartisan resolution to reverse the newly released, uh, newly relaxed dress codes. Uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announcing Monday that the Senate would no longer be enforcing its business attire dress code in honor of uh, Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman. Manchin doesn't like it. Even the number two Democrat in the Senate, Dick Durbin, so this is Chuck Schumer's deputy. Dick Durbin, senator from Illinois, breaking with Schumer on this. There need to be standards, says Durbin. I'm concerned about it. The senator in question is a personal friend, but I think we need to have standards, he said on a SiriusXM interview airing today. Durbin says, by the way, that Schumer made the announcement without checking with him, and he doesn't know why. (laughs) I had a thought about the dress code. I've said my piece about it. We've talked about it um among other things it's ludicrous that in a in, 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 all over this country okay all over this country every day business is um conducted meetings interviews conferences and people put on their big boy and big girl outfits and and go to these things and business attire and looking professional is just something people do, okay? Leave it to our, our, um, you know, sort of, I, I guess you could say privilege addicted upper crust to say, you know, we really don't need this. This is encumbering. And of course, we know what, it, what it's about. It's, it's about trying to keep Fetterman in the Senate because they got a one seat majority. Okay, but then I started thinking today, and just to hear me out on this. This is re- I'm surprised the women are not raising their voices about this. There's I think 20 women senators, but let me tell you something because I've been in I've been in a lot of different professional settings. There is a huge double standard when it comes to dressing down between men and women. I've worked at places that had casual dress codes, including the radio station. I've worked at places that had casual Friday. There is a big-time double standard between men and women. Guys, when you say casual, guys can get away with anything. Women cannot. And don't. I'm a little surprised. I, I I realize that the women in the Senate are almost all Democrats, and this is a Democrat thing. But man, I, I, you're 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 gonna if this goes on and continues, um, you won't be able to relax your standard of dress. Only the guys will. I'm surprised women don't see this. It's it's crystal clear to me that that's a double standard, and it will be. But. They don't seem to have woke up to it yet. But again, I'm also starting to think that maybe it didn't poll very well or they're getting a lot of feedback on it because you see Manchin and Durbin both. We're not even out of the week yet. (laughs) This isn't even a week old. This policy is not even a week old. And you have two leading Democrats in the Senate going, I don't think so. Speaking of how you dress or if you dress at all, I was reading today about a new art exhibit Um, where in order to enter the art exhibit, this, by the way, is um, apparently in Serbia. In order to enter the art exhibit, you have to squeeze through two naked models. The entryway is itself a work of art. It's performance art. But in order to get into the exhibit, you have to um, basically push your way through sideways. That's how close this man and woman are standing to one another. They're completely naked. So imagine a naked guy and a naked woman, almost nose to nose. And the price of admission for getting into the art exhibit is that you have to push your way through these two. And you know my first thought was apparently covid is over, right? <laughs> I mean, whoa. Talk about talk about a clear indication that the era of covid is over. Um, the art critics are agog. They love it. They love the fact that one of them said um, the art critic for the Guardian said that part of what makes this art is how terrifying it is. You know, if they really wanted to make it terrifying, they wouldn't use models. They'd find a couple of really ugly people, right? I mean, okay, um, some of us are kind of introverts and we like our space. And I'd have a hard time. Frankly, I don't know if I could do this. I I don't think I – I'm very big on, like, space and don't touch me. And, like, I don't enjoy massages. People think I'm crazy. I don't I don't want a massage. You don't give me a gift of a massage. I'm not interested. I don't like being touched. I don't like being hugged. Uh by any period. But I mean, so I don't know if I could do it anyway, but if they really wanted to make this like controversial and and, and uh, you know, provocative, shouldn't they be like gargoyle-looking people? You know, like like really repulsive-looking people. They're not. So not that I'm an art expert, but, uh, oh, man, I had a thing happen. i got to tell you this. this have, you ever seen the, have you ever seen the TV show, um, the, the Larry David show, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Have you ever seen that? Because this will make more sense if you've seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I feel like, it, 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 I don't watch it a lot, but when I've watched it, I've always felt like I, I am that guy. Like, that that's my life. So I went to the, um, I told you I went to the pharmacy to get the flu shot. This was yesterday, middle of the day. And after I got the flu shot, I was leave- leaving the store and I was walking out of the store and I never do this. I want you to know this is really rare for me because you're going to yell at me. When you hear what I was doing, you're going to yell at me and I, I, this is not common for me, but for whatever reason, as I was walking along, I was looking down at my phone. I was, my face was in my phone. I don't even remember why. You know, in the middle of the day, I was probably on to the next thing. What am I doing next? So I'm walking through the main pathway or whatever, the, the aisle that leads out of the store. There's all these side aisles. And because I'm looking down at the phone, I don't see this young woman come out of one of the side aisles on one of those, I don't know what you call them, but they look like a tricycle. When people have like a broken leg or their leg in a, in a cast, you know what I'm talking about, Don Cooper. It's like a little three wheel thing that they kneel on because they can't put any weight on the leg. You ever I've, seen anybody I've, with that? I've seen them. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't what, what would don't, you call that? A tricycle or uh, something? It probably has a. There's probably an official medical. I'm sure, there's name. a medical term for it. Yeah. Um, I didn't see her, and I was on her. I mean, I I was all over her, and. We almost fell down. I, I had all I could do to, I had to hold her up and me up at the same time, because I thought, oh my God, I, can, I don't want her to fall, she's already hurt. And she was very good-natured about it, and she was apologizing to me, which was totally wrong, because it was completely my fault. I don't think she saw me coming, um, and maybe she couldn't get out of the way if she did. But here's the here's the point of the story, so fortunately we did not fall down, and but here's where the Larry David part comes in. Because first of all, this does sound like something that would happen on Curb Your Enthusiasm. But secondly, this is how I know I'm getting old. I I felt like I needed to make a joke. And that is the ultimate old guy thing to do. Like, I, I for, for whatever reason, I had like two or three or four really bad jokes that came to the tip of my tongue. And I was able to pull them back, although I think in a few years I will not be able to, because that's what like dads do. That's where dad jokes come from, you know, that sort of inappropriate moment. I mean, it, she was very nice about it. She could have been mad at me. She could have told me to watch where I was going. She didn't do any of that. And here I was. I was going to make some kind of joke that would have been that would have been lame. Pardon the pun. See, there's one right there. <laughs> I looked it up. It's it it. Why didn't we think of this? It's uh, it's just called a knee cart, or knee scooter. Wow, really? That's it. It needs a better name. <laughs> a mobility knee scooter for broken oh, foot. Oh, I, I was thinking it was like a, it was, it kind of, it's kind of like a tricycle. Mm-hmm. That's what but, it is. Um, so anyway. <laughs> that'll learn me to not look at my phone, which I usually don't do. Call me, 210-599-5555. nine nine fifty five fifty five. I'm looking for your best. Dad joke, 210-599-5555. Call right now. How do you get a one-armed man out of a tree? How do you get a one-armed man out of a tree? You wave at him. I sold our vacuum cleaner. It was just gathering dust. Did you hear about the bankrupt poet? The bankrupt poet. He owed everyone. Did you hear about the shepherd who drove his sheep through the town and was given a ticket? Shepherd who drove his sheep through the town and was given a ticket. He made an illegal U turn. Yes, these are. Did you hear they arrested the devil? They arrested the devil. They got him on possession. All right. Dad Joke Friday, 210 599 5555. What did the evil chicken lay? What did the evil chicken lay? Devil eggs. This one is not nice. This is not nice. But sometimes dad jokes have to be, they have to be a little harsh. All right. What do you call a bear with no teeth? What do you call a bear with no teeth? A gummy bear. That's <laughs> just not right. Um, ben is on KTSA. Ben, good afternoon.
11: Uh, hey Jack, uh, I love your show, man. I, I love oh, all thank your you. different topics. And this is one of my favorites. Um, okay, so a grasshopper walks into a bar Okay. And the bartender tells him, hey, you know we have a drink named after you? And the grasshopper says, you have a drink named Steve? <laughs> 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 All right, I didn't see that
1: coming. I like that. I like when there's a little little surprise ending. Thank you, Ben. Have a good weekend. Uh, Brian is on the radio with a dad joke on Dad Joke Friday. Hi, Brian.
5: Hey, uh, so, okay, so... Uh, Chewie is short for Chewbacca and okay. R two is short for R2D2. Okay. But what is Luke short for?
1: I don't know what.
5: A stormtrooper.
1: Oh man, that took me man, that took me a minute. Alright, very good. I see I'm not I'm not I'm not like the biggest I'm not like the biggest Star Wars guy. Uh two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five little delayed reaction there, so that's i'm i'm like' your, I'm like your kids when you kid, when you tell your kids a dad joke they first they don't get it, then they hate that they did get it um I, have you heard the news a, a cheese factory exploded in france uh, debris is everywhere so
2: mm-hmm. um <laughs>
1: this is pretty good um what is a mobster? buried in cement become What does a mobster buried in cement become a hardened criminal okay maybe that's not so good i don't know all right i'm gonna do a couple more here dad joke friday 210-599-5555 i feel like the best one is still out there uh bobby is on the radio hi bobby
5: how you
1: doing i'm good you got a dad joke for us
5: I do. I love your show. Did you hear about the farmer who was outstanding in his field?
1: The farmer who is was... Uh, okay. <laughs> almost. I almost missed it completely there, Bobby. Thank you for that. You have a good weekend. Appreciate you. Uh, Mark is on the radio on Dad Joke Friday. Hi, Mark.
8: How are you, Jack? Sorry, I'm good, forward. thank you. Have you heard about the new restaurant on the moon?
1: I'm sorry, the, the new... Moon, say it again?
4: The say, new restaurant on the moon?
1: The new restaurant on the moon, no.
4: Yep, it's got good food, great service, just no atmosphere.
1: But a bing. It's got no atmosphere. Thank you, Mark. All right. And one more on this Dad Joke Friday from Tim. All right, Tim, no pressure, but you're the end of the hour. Let's go out with a big one.
4: All right. uh,
8: The baby sweet potato asked the mama sweet potato that – who is walter cronkite and the mama says oh he's nobody he's just a commentator
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know tim i love it we got to get a, like get like a more modern news guy in there though you know so that pe i know who he is but i'm afraid there'll be people who won't know who walter cronkite was or ever knew who he was but that that is funny very well done um All right, we'll do it again someday soon. It'll be a Friday. That much I know. Beans
9: and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a bite. Beans, Beans not cornbread out of sight. Beans cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night.
1: I'll be ready. All right, here we go. It is Friday. It is the last hour of the last show of the week. And we call this The Dish. And this is about restaurants. This is about, um, you know, basically, it's not restaurant reviews. We leave that to the, you know, the the professionals. Uh, this is just about how you would um, tell your friends or your family about a place that you went to, that you, maybe a new place or one that's new to you that you just discovered in your travels. Or a, a, a restaurant you've been going to for a long time that you really love, and it's your go to for this or go to for that. So you call, you make the call, 210 599 5555, and we can talk about any restaurant, any kind of food, any price, chain, mom and pop, any part of town, anywhere in South Texas. And of course, you can praise or zing. Rounding. It's
5: a 10 penalty, I'm talking to America here. <laughs>
1: okay. Praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience, wherever and whatever that was, right now, phone lines are open for you to do that, 210-599-5555. What I was saying earlier was, I understand from doing this a long time, most people who listen to talk shows never call talk shows. I get that. I respect that. But you can call on this. This is easy. No, there's no intimidation. This is easy to do. So if you've never called before, this could be your night. This could be your day. So we're talking restaurants. We'll get the uh, results on the JR poll at the end of the hour. See how you voted on the Cornyn Paxton uh, question. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Now I have a question. I have a question. I don't know why I never noticed this before. But I noticed it this week. I was in an an HEB, and I was in the bakery department. And I was going to get, I was going to buy, you know how they have half a pie? You can buy a package that's half of an apple pie or half of a cherry pie. So I picked that up because I, you know, I didn't want to go crazy. Just wanted a little something. So I'm walking around, looking at some other stuff, and I've got the half pie. It was a cherry pie. I noticed the price seemed kind of high, although these days, you know. So just out of curiosity, before I bought that half a pie, I went over to the whole pies. They had those on a different table. I want to understand why half a pie is more than the whole pie. I I need to understand that, I mean a lot more. So I put down the half a pie, and I bought the whole pie, which I did not want to do and I did not need, but I I, I just couldn't bring myself. It it just didn't seem right, and I was talking to the, talking about this with a friend of mine today, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, that's everywhere. That's Walmart, and they they all do that." I said, "Why?" And he tried to say, well, maybe there's more packaging. But that doesn't make any sense. How could there be more packaging on half a pie? If you wrap a small present, you don't use more wrapping paper than on a bigger present. So I know there's some expense to the packaging and whatever. I guess it's somebody's job to cut the pie. It's not really a high-skill thing. There's cutting it in half. I wouldn't mind if they even charged, you know, a similar price. Why would it be more? Like, I, it, that's going to bother me till I understand that. Maybe somebody knows. 210-599-5555. Doesn't seem like it should be more. A lot more. All right. So that's a side issue if you want to dip into that. But we're talking restaurants, so we're, we're taking your calls on the dish to do that. And let us start with, where am I going to go first here? Let's start with Linda. Linda, happy Friday night to you.
10: Well, happy Friday! It's actually my birthday today.
1: Wow! Happy birthday, Linda. Uh,
10: I, I won't know, sing. I've been all, all week.
1: <laughs> I won't sing, but happy! But you've been celebrating all week. Wow! Yeah, so, I wonder well, you could even get to the phone then.
10: I know, Wednesday, I had a luncheon, and it was at Los Parhesis. And I'm not saying it right, but it's on Perrin Central. And it's really a very good Mexican restaurant. I'm I'm not a huge Tex-Mex fan. Mm-hmm. But they had lots of different things. Uh, they had, uh, I had a fish dish that was lightly breaded cod with a wonderful lemon butter sauce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the rice and beans were good. But like I said, I'm not a huge just enchiladas whatever. But this was okay. a very, very colorful service was good. And I was with a group of about 15, and everyone thought their meal was really good. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a plus for them. And the manager actually nice. came and talked to us. We were such a big group, and he was telling us about the history of the place. His uncle started the business about 15 years ago, and mm-hmm. he's been running it the last five. And So it was a really it was a, it was a good experience. They also have fondue, and it was very good fondue. Awesome.
1: Oh, good, good. So, yeah. so what has been the best part of your birthday week, would you say?
10: Well, today I had a class this morning, and then I had played bridge all afternoon, and I just had drinks with a friend. So it's been a wow. good birthday.
1: So. You're really, <laughs> le- really letting it all fly there, Linda. All right. I
10: know. Well, you're only this age one time, right?
1: That, I like the way you said that. I, I like the way you put that. You're only this age one time. Good for you. Well, happy birthday, Linda. I hope you've had a wonderful week and a wonderful year ahead of you. And praise from Linda for Las Carretas Mexican Restaurant, 3975 Parenbital, our Parent Central. Parent Central, 3975 Paren Central. Las Carretas Mexican Restaurant right over there by the big post office. All right, we're taking your calls just like that. See how easy it is? On the dish, 210-599-5555 to praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience, wherever and whatever that was, plus the pie question. And I'm trying to understand one of the great questions of the universe. Why would stores charge you more for a half of a pie than the whole pie? If you go to a place that has a bakery section, and they have the you know the the clamshell package with pies fruit pies most of them will charge more for the half pie now why what's the deal kevin writes could it be the price of convenience i don't even know what that means kevin i mean thanks for taking a stab at it but i don't understand what that even means i i'm not even asking I'm not, like, saying it should be half the price of the whole pie. I, they don't have to do that. But shouldn't it be a little less? It shouldn't be more, right? It should be a little less. It's less of everything. It's less packaging. It's less pie. I, you know, that's that's weird. Somebody wrote to me and said, well, have you ever noticed that a slice of pizza is worth, uh, Is they charge more than if you bought a whole pizza and you divided the price by the number of slices. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But what this would be like if a slice of pizza was more than a whole pizza. That that, that doesn't happen. Nobody does that, right? All right. 210 599 5555. We're talking restaurants on the dish. You can also email me, jack at KTSA.com, if you want to do it that way. In fact, Molly uh, says uh, praise for Pazzo Pasteria, Pazzo Pasteria, P-A-Z-Z-O, 13777 Nacogdoches Road in the Ying King Plaza. It's amazing, Molly writes. You know how Italians can be a bit snobbish about Italian food. Five stars, plus, plus. My favorites are the Eggplant Parmesan and Bucatini Carbonara. Uh, says they're open for lunch. Recommend reservations on the weekends. Not fancy. In the Nacogdoches, O'Connor area, but my, it is worth the trip. Pazzo, Pastoria, 13777 Nacogdoches Road. Praise on the dish for that one. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I know where that is uh, to try that out. 210-599-5555. Wayne is on the dish on KTSA. Hi, Wayne. Happy Friday.
8: Hey, and uh yeah, I was just going to uh tell your audience that my son opened a restaurant in uh Burnie South. Uh it, it's called uh, Sushi and Oyster Bar. He just opened it last month and he's he's really uh, he's he's really uh, I think he's hitting the uh, knocking the ball out of the park. I mean, I was uh, there last night before last and I uh I I had to wait a long time to get my and I am missed I'm his father and I had to wait a long time to get served, but he he's uh I just wanted to let people know okay. it's available what, there. What
1: what is the name of it, Wayne? I'm sorry I missed the name of it.
8: At South Bernie Sushi and Oyster Bar. Or sushi South? and Orsha restaurant. South Bernie South? He call he has a sign up there it says Sobo, South Burning, okay. and then Sushi gotcha. and Oyster Bar.
1: Gotcha. Okay, and where in Bernie so is for it? Everybody that
8: gets out to Bernie that likes sushi, uh, it's only only really uh, sushi sushi restaurant in Bernie right now. A few restaurants serve a few things that are uh-huh. sushi-like, but they're not okay. just, they're not promoting a, it as a
1: sushi uh, restaurant. Where we where in <laughs>
8: It's in 909 uh, Waterview Parkway. It's just off of Main Street behind okay. uh, PNC Bank.
1: 909 Waterview Parkway. Okay.
8: Yes, sir. See, in it's Suite 104. Suite okay. 104.
1: Okay. South Burney Sushi and Oyster Bar. All right. Very good, Wayne. Thank you. I appreciate your call. Uh, nice you I, you...
8: I call it a bar, but he's, he calls it a restaurant, I think. Okay. Thank you, right, Wayne. sir. And Appreciate right next the call. to it, he has Valeria Restaurant, too. It's an Italian, kind of a, a, a quasi-Italian
1: restaurant. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I know exactly where that is now. I've been to that one. Okay, okay so he owns both of those?
8: Y- yes, sir. Wow, you know, he's uh, doing he very well. Opened, he just opened, he just opened uh, the sushi bar mm-hmm. uh, or the sushi restaurant last month, and uh, it's actually doing better than Valeria. Valeria has been open for mm-hmm. seven years
1: right yeah no valeria is a nice place I've, i've been there a couple of times very nice well good luck to him and and you sound like a proud dad and it's nice of you to give him a shout out wayne thank you for that thanks for calling us uh i would normally say by the way just let's so we don't get crazy here this is not a segment for you to plug your family business or plug your own restaurant, but but i 'm going to make an exception because i 'm a dad, and I would be like Wayne. I would be doing the same thing if my my kid had a restaurant i 'd be telling everybody so that's nice um, South Bernie sushi and oyster bar it says here one hundred nine Waterview. I think maybe that maybe we misheard him, but uh, on the uh, on the website it says one hundred nine Waterview Parkway in bernie and James is next on the dish on k t s a James happy friday night to you
0: same to you jack hey listen we don't live in the area but we were in the area right after lunch and we stopped at uh, the texan seafood restaurant on pleasanton road hadn't been there only been there twice before and both times easily over 20 years ago well couldn't find the place well lo and behold from last time they moved three blocks south and on the other side of pleasanton but had to google it we found them we went in there. My wife and I, we both ordered. I think they call it the original seafood platter or something like that. Came with a filet of cod, three jumbo fried shrimp, onion rings, choice of potato, toast, la da salad. First thing, oh, I want to say the service was excellent. Everybody was friendly. Um, the um, the salad was just a bed of iceberg lettuce and nothing else. <laughs> it was a <laughs> poorest okay. poor salad i've ever seen in my life, yeah. but wow. I was i was I was hungry and ate mine. My wife didn 't touch hers the The food got there, and I was really disappointed on the shrimp the jumbo shrimp for being Friday it uh, didn 't look like they changed the grease in the vat probably in about a month because if they would have left it in there, it was borderline burnt um, but it was edible, but it it was almost it was dark dark dark, dark brown mm. mm. Yeah, so that was a turn-off. Yeah, um, I can tell you, other than the... Uh, I got two more points, and I'll make it quick. Um, the onion rings that were on top, each of our plates or platters had about five onion rings. They were some of the best onion rings I've ever eaten. And it's obvious they didn't fry them in the same oil they did to the shrimp. Hmm. Uh, so that was a good thing. But when we walked out, we got to go up to the counter and pay your ticket. And as we were walking out to the car... I was looking over the ticket. And I noticed something I'd never seen before, but we don't eat out a lot. Uh, there was a line item on the ticket, the receipt, for an admin fee. And I told my wife, look at this. I have never seen an admin mm. fee on a restaurant ticket. Have you? No. never." I, I don't of. even
1: know what that means.
0: I don't either. It just said admin fee, and it was only like $3 and something. The only thing I can deduct is it's the, the, the charge. They, they're passing along the charge for using plastic. I don't know what else it could be. But huh. normally places just build that into the price of right. the food, right. I would yeah. think. Yeah,
4: yeah. That's that caught my yeah. attention. I, I
0: yeah.
1: guess but apparently anyway, not too many people read the receipt, right, or they'd be getting a lot of questions about that.
0: Yeah, anyway. Anyway, I'm not sure if I would go back. We hadn't been in a long time, and we wanted some fried seafood. Mm. And... Um, it, I don't know if I would do it again. I'll leave it well, at that.
1: Well, you, said, um, you, you said it's on Pleasanton Road. Is it? Is it maybe called Sherry's Texan Seafood? Yes.
0: Yes, okay. and that's it. Good point. When we had gone before, it wasn't Sherry's. It was just the Texan. And I okay. remember it closed down because we went there a long time ago when it was closed. And then I guess somebody bought it and opened it and moved it to a new building. But, um, yeah, gotcha. I think that's what happened.
1: All Hi. right. Well, I looked it up, and that's what popped up. So thank you, James. Appreciate your call. And I guess we'd call that, Don, a praise and a zing. Can we do that? Essential grounding. It's a 10-yard penalty. I'm talking to America here. Here's the zing. And a praise. Okay, so a praise and a zing for Sherry's Texan Seafood Restaurant, 1113 Pleasanton Road. Nice service. Great onion rings. Not happy with the Frying of the shrimp and maybe the age of the grease. Yeah, so, I don't. Okay,
9: I don't like it when they don't uh, at least maybe clean the grease or
0: change it up or mm. st- yeah, strain it. Whatever they do. Yeah,
1: whatever they do. Clean yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Um, and and sometimes you don't know at first because you you have to kind of taste that. Mm-hmm. You, you can't always go by the by the darkness or the appearance of it. But uh, okay, yeah. And there's something about when you're in the mood for. For fried seafood, you just got to have it. Like, you can't substitute something else for that. When that's what you want, you got to find a place that does it. So that didn't work out as well as expected. This half hour, more of your calls on The Dish. Grab a line to talk about a restaurant that you've been to tonight, today, this week. It could be a new place. It could be new to you. You could be singing the praises of an old favorite. Uh, make the call. Praise or zing. 210-599-5555. We'll do that. We also have uh, results coming up on tonight's River City Oral Surgery JR Poll question. And Gordon is on The Dish on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Gordon.
9: Well, happy Friday night to you, Jack. Man, uh, we listen. Me and the wife listen to you every Friday with beans and cornbread and dad <laughs> jokes and and uh, uh, that uh, we were out in Bernie last Friday, just leaving the truck after your dad jokes and uh, went into that Sobo uh, Sushi and Oyster Bar. And uh, mm-hmm. man, that it's, think its a nice place. Service is good, but uh, all the food is raw in there. And uh, <laughs>
1: I hope you called that to their attention, Gordon. I hope you pointed that out to them.
9: (laughs) Yes, we did. Okay, Jack, you have a good night now. Thank you, Gordon.
1: Oh, man, somebody needs to let them know. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told this before, but, um, and it sounds weird to say this, but it's the truth. I actually never had sushi, never tried it, never had it. Until about 10 years ago. And the reason I tried, this is so backwards, the reason I tried it was because my daughter got into it. She had it somewhere, like at a friend's house or something. And you don't think a kid would be into that. Like, that doesn't seem like a thing little kids would be into. But you know how kids are now. Now kids are very, we, we didn't have the adventuresome palettes that they have today. The Food Network, I think, did that, right? So she all of a sudden she was about sushi. Can we get sushi? I want to try sushi. Let's go. And um I really I would I would get it and I would get myself or get us something that was cooked because I just didn't didn't care for it, didn't think I cared for it anyway. And finally I would try a little piece of hers, because you always eat what your kids don't finish, right? That's a parenting thing. And I found out I liked it. I just never tried it. It was just so off-putting to me. You know, you you grown up you you raised you grow up you're told you know make sure everything is cooked. Be very careful, be careful with things that are raw. But of course sushi is a different thing and it's handled differently and it's safe and yeah, no, I just came to it very late. So I guess that's where the uh expression a child shall lead them uh applies when it comes to restaurants. But yeah, I wouldn't have ever probably wouldn't have ever tried it otherwise. 210 599 Fifty-five. As we're talking restaurants on the dish, uh, Oktoberfest is coming up, right? And it's very happy time all over the world, uh, unless you are the Prince of Bavaria. Did you know there was a Prince of Bavaria? I didn't know. This man, seventy-two-year-old uh, Prince Leopold Ruprecht Heinrich, is the is a member of and the second in line to the royal house of Bavaria. If if they still had a monarch, he'd be the next in line. And he is railing against Oktoberfest. In the London Times, the 72-year-old prince calls it cultural appropriation. People wearing costumes to get drunk and says, um, when I see Chinese-made folk costumes made of plastic, pseudo-costumes with tight drindles. Then the whole thing becomes a carnival. Sounds like a fun guy. Uh, he says uh, Bavarians need to put a stop to it. I'm not sure that sounds good. Like <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good message. Somebody wanting Bavarians to put a stop to something. Uh, so he's he's upset about Oktoberfest, but it's it's already underway. Uh, the 188th annual Oktoberfest opened last weekend. Over the objections of the Prince of Bavaria. I guess if you're still the Prince of something, you gotta, you know, you gotta have your position. You gotta stake out your position on something. This was interesting. Uh, Remember when they announced that they were changing the name of the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile? Remember they were gonna change it to, I think, the Frank Mobile? And people kind of mocked that. It seemed sort of stupid and pointless and. Um, the, the giant hot dog shaped car. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Uh, they uh, have announced this week. Uh, Oscar Mayer has that they are change or Kraft actually owns Oscar Mayer. Uh, Kraft has announced that after uh, a few months, they realized they made a mistake. Um, so in a Instagram post, Kraft announced it's been a Franktastic summer. But we missed this wonderful icon. Please help us welcome back the Wiener Mobile. And so it's officially changed its name back to Wiener Mobile. Do you think maybe they meant to do that all along? They were just staging a little uprising, you know, just just dogging it a little bit, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, so they've gone back to I, I had never s I had never stopped calling it the Wienermobile, Mobile, so I won't have to make any adjustments, but uh for those that had changed it, you'll have to change it back. Uh, Charles is next on The Dish on KTSA. Charles, happy Friday.
11: Happy Friday to you. So I'm calling regarding Sea Island.
1: Sea Island.
11: <laughs> well, it used to be, it was, yeah, it used to be an old reliable, but yesterday was a whole different story.
1: Uh-oh, what happened?
11: Well, you know, you go in and we order. I was with a couple family members of mine, made the order, and waiting for about, it was right at noon, for lunchtime but it wasn't very busy which was unusual uh probably about 30 minutes and we get brought two of the three plates um and then we're told that the other one's on the way and so one of the dishes is completely cold and i mean like literally touch cold and so we have to spend that one back again uh while my fish tacos were sitting there waiting because we're still waiting this is uh 15 minutes later now that we're waiting on a remake of that food then another that comes back out yet yeah, we're still waiting on the other plates um for another 10 minutes <laughs> so um anyway which uh, uh which location
1: was this charles
11: this was the one there on i-10 right there in your uh words box okay yeah And so, you know, just a very disappointing situation. It seems the manager wasn't in the location. She was in the back getting an order. And at that time, this is when no, like, you could hardly see there was no plates up on, you know, that were ready to, you know, be taken out. Um, She finally appeared. And at that time, as soon as she got back, all of a sudden, this overwhelming amount of employees is there. And all of a sudden running a bunch of food.
1: Mm. (laughs) Yeah.
11: just, you know, everybody was just kind of, you know, not working, basically, I guess, at the time. Decided about, wow, you know, what's well, the old uh, saying when the, when the
1: cats away, wearing the mice will play? Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. Um, we, we, You know, we've had, you know, both praise and zing calls about Sea Island over the years. And I, I don't know if, I sometimes wonder if they were better off when there was just the, you know, the original one. And as they branched out, yeah, it well, seems like maybe time. they're having a hard time keeping keeping it consistent, you know?
11: Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue, you know. The one there by North Star Mall is the one I've been going to for years and years and then I probably haven't been in a couple of years and what a disappointment, you know, it was just uh pretty disappointing when you're taking family members out, yeah. to, you know, just yeah. a little special meal if, you yeah. know, this kind of thing happens, but it seems to be happening lately a lot everywhere in a lot of places, you know. Well,
1: Customers yeah, you that's a that's gone, a fair yeah. point. I think I think restaurants are having a hard time just getting help and keeping good people and uh keeping up you know, keeping their staffing up, but as you said, it looked to you like um, once there was some oversight, everybody kind of got on their horse and was doing what they were supposed to do, right?
11: Absolutely. That's that's, so. that's kind of been the key. That was the key there. I can guarantee you that. Wow. And the yeah. manager came up and just offered to take $25 off of our tab without me even asking for anything. So
1: wow. So they, they kind of they know. They kind of know they hard. have a problem, yeah. yeah.
11: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that seemed to be the key right there saying, Hey man, I uh, yeah,
1: we know yeah. we screwed up. <laughs> so, yeah, See, I'm sorry that happened but, to you, uh, yeah. but, uh,
11: it just, you know, Seattle used to be a staple man in San Antonio. It seemed like, you know, and it just kind of, you know, just for what,
1: it's, for what it's worth, I will say this. I, I always have a good experience at the rector location. I, I feel like if you can get to that one, to me, that's the one that is still always good. If if that's convenient or if you're in that area, because, Yeah, the others are kind of hit or miss, but that one is always good. (laughs) All right, Charles, have a good night, sir. Thank you for calling us. Thanks for calling the dish. So, zing for the Sea Island location on I-10. Attentional It's a 10-yard
5: penalty. I'm talking to America here.
1: (laughs) I just love that moment. Football game. Guys The ref's making an announcement. Uh, Player interrupts them. I'm talking to America here. All right. Uh, Our last call on Sea Island was praised back in March. But, uh, yeah, kind of a, I'd say for every three or four praises, uh, we've had a zing and um, kind of all over. But, uh, personally, again, I just think the Rector restaurant seems to have the best kind of spring in their step. Um, We've got your calls on the dish. We've got the results on the JR poll all coming up, 210 599 5555, Liliana is on the dish. Hi, Liliana.
2: Hi, how's your day going?
1: It's going great. How is yours?
2: It's going better now. I'm off work.
1: <laughs> Excellent. So, what you uh, got for I'd
2: like, us? I'd like to give a good shout out to a barbecue place near the AT&T Center. It's called Ball Hogs Barbecue, and they're at 2941 East Houston Street in San Antonio, mm-hmm. Texas. They have some good brisket and some kicking ribs, and I love their sides. They have mac and cheese, uh, beans, whatnot. It's, it's very good.
1: Hmm. Is it a big place or small place? or?
2: It's a, it's a small place. It's, yeah. It doesn't look like it's open, but it's open. If you see cars <laughs> in the little gravel parking lot next to it, it's open. Yeah.
1: Okay. And you said the best things there would be maybe the ribs and the brisket? That's maybe what we should try the first time we go?
2: Yeah, the ribs, the, the ribs and the brisket, and I prefer getting the mac and cheese, too, and using their homemade barbecue sauce and the mac and cheese. It's freaking bomb.
1: Ooh, look at that. I never thought of that. Barbecue sauce and the mac and cheese. Look at you.
2: A lot of people don't Great. realize this, but if you put baked beans in there, too, it t- tastes good, too.
1: You're like a, you're like a food scientist, Liliana. I never thought of these things before. I like that Barbie.
2: Was it a, I, I prefer like black beans and mac and cheese. I've tried barbecue. It comes out a little too sweet, but huh. like dark black beans and mac and cheese taste
1: good. There you go. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that for sure. We'll call that the Liliana special. All right. Thank you for the call. I hope you have a great weekend. Praise for Ball Hogs Barbecue. You know we've had a lot of new places called in today. Uh, and by new, I mean new to us, like not previously called into the dish. So Ball Hogs Barbecue is 2941 East Houston near the AT&T Center. We also had uh new new first-time call, Botso Pasteria, which was 13777 Nacogdoches Road, and Las Caretas Mexican Restaurant, 3975 Perrin Central. And all first-time to the dish tonight.
5: in the shave and I heard a, a screeching, saw that between a screeching and a whistle. Oh! I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom in my whole house. Sure. The first part came to me, I said, well, this, what's the meteorite come out of space or something? And I said, well, there's the airplane,
8: it need to be reported. The, the thing was flying just too low.
1: Mm. An ear witness to the uh, F-35 crash. All right, he uh, he evaded impeachment this week, so Attorney General Ken Paxton is doing interviews, including Tucker Carlson. We asked you on the JR Poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, who would get your vote in a hypothetical Senate primary between John Cornyn and Ken Paxton? 57% said Paxton, 43% said Cornyn. Well, the new JR Poll question, um, not tomorrow, but Monday, when we go live at 4 o'clock. Do you remember this big soft rock hit from the late 70s and early 80s? Mm.
10: It's
1: a great song. That's the band Ambrosia. And their lead singer, David Pack. So Ambrosia is still on tour. They have some different members now. David Pack is not with them. And I, I didn't know why. I just recently learned all this. But David Pack, a few years ago, had to beat cancer. And he did. And on the other side of that health scare, he kind of reinvented himself. Uh, as kind of a contemporary jazz artist. He still sounds amazing, as you're about to hear, because he has covered this song. This is David Pack's 2018 version of You're the Only Woman. We'll leave you with this tonight. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Catch you back here live Monday at 4 on KTSA.
10: Explain the reasons why I, Cause I've been thinking about the things that we said. We made this time, but then the world seems to be coming out right from you. we so afraid that I found somebody knew who made it. There's no need for what we're going through because you.